This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to another episode of Double Feature, coming to you from the hidden room in the SBH Pleasure Dome. I'm Chow Suen and this week we've got a bus, Georgia Roberts, how are you? Same as ever. So this week you went to see a film without me. Oh, the jealousy rages. I was really looking forward to this film in case, you know... Funnily enough, I wasn't. The film is How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, a.k.a. How to Train Your Dragon 3, because it's the third one. We get that. Just seeing if you're following along at home. (laughs) No, but I was really looking forward to the movie because I really enjoyed the first couple and I think it's one of those animated movies that manages to be moving without being really super cheesy. Now, this is why I wasn't looking forward to it. I don't know what it is about this franchise, but every time I've gone to see one of the films, it's always been like, oh, fine. I'll go watch it then. The first one was a thrill. Oh, it was And amazing. if you ever, ever, if the if somebody screens it in IMAX 3D, go see it. It is an amazing film in IMAX 3D. It's so thrilling. The flight sequences alone are worth the admission. It's like a roller coaster, and you'll be thrilled. Of course, it's also got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of humour in it. And then How to Train Your Dragon 2 comes along. And again, I'm like, uh, I've been waiting quite a lot. It's a four-year gap between them. First one came out in 2010, second one 2014. And I was thinking, uh, I don't know if they can stick the landing on a second one. The second one surprised me again because it was so wonderful and, you know, there's heart in it and it's moving. And, and now that was the same way I went. I, was, I went into this one thinking, if you manage to do it, it's a miracle. And, well, it's a miracle, It was really good. (laughs) No, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because I feel like with the first one, I I don't like animated movies, but I've liked both of them. So I was really quite annoyed that I didn't get to go see this You don't like animated movies? No, I don't. That is a bizarre thing to say, especially since this one proves, if anything, I'm not sure we need real actors anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you tell us about the plot before we get into the details? The plot? Well, okay. the other thing, reason I was not particularly enamoured with going to see this one is that it's called The Hidden World and they explain quite fully in the trailers that oh this is about uh, Hiccup played by uh, Jay Baruchel and Toothless the marvellous dragon that's a very good impression that you're doing (laughs) Um, yeah in the last film didn't they find The Hidden World of Dragons and apparently this one they find The Hidden World of Dragons uh, this one, the island of Burke, where all these Vikings live. Vikings living with dragons now because they used to be anti-dragon, now they're pro-dragon. There's so many sequences in this where you just go, wow, it's it's a marvel. So when you first come upon Burke, it's teeming with dragons. It's all these houses that have been built up and dragons are everywhere. And there's a really, really cute joke about how in the original, dragons kept on coming in to poach the sheep. They've circumvented this by dressing the sheep as dragons. So they put, they've got little dragon hats, little dragon uh, coats Aww. with little wings on it, so that from the sky, they look like little dragons, so they can roam around Burke. Anyway, Burke is teeming with life, teeming with dragons, and it's getting to the point where they need to find more space. The other part is there is a nasty poacher who seems very, again, it seems like a rerun in some ways of the first one. Yep. There's a poacher called Grimmel, who's a marvellously kind of European accent in some way. And he's played by F. Murray Abraham. So he's basically the last baddest dragon hunter who killed all the other Night Furies, of which Hiccup is one. And he's looking to, you know, 
complete his run. Then there's the other plot, which is Toothless finds a mate. So Toothless, this Black Knight Fury, meets, well, she's not even given a name, but she's classed as the Light Fury. So it's basically a black and white yin and yang kind of thing, and it's his girlfriend. Uh, and I have to say, there is a sequence in there. It could have been cloying, it could have been horrible, but the sequence of Toothless's courtship, where he's trying to dance and impress, and it's a bit of a Serrano de Bergerac thing, because hiccups happens to be up on a cliff. Toothless keeps on looking at him for pointers. Toothless emulates it, and it's hilarious. That sounds adorable. I love Toothless. He's so cute. And it's also helped just for the fact that the animation in this is so yes. good now. It's at such a level. Yeah, do you really need human actors anymore? They're so good. And the cinematography on this, as ever, is Roger Deakins, because the lighting in this is stupendous. Every other animated film, which is why you may have an issue with it, everything just looks flat, plasticky, it's, you know, A3D animation and you know it's computer generated. This feels like at the start there's a raid on a ship and you feel like the mist is there. And because of the lighting, these goofy dragons that this team of kids ride, you know that they're fun dragons. But the way it's lit and when you're looking at it from the POV of the guards, yeah, they're, they're scary, man. They're scary dragons, even if the, the gang is inept. The weird thing with this is that it's not particularly high stakes. You never feel there's a great sense of danger. It's going through another plot again, but it's essentially to wrap up the trilogy. But the thing about, like, I feel like this whole series, even the first couple, it wasn't like it was the plot was mind-blowing. But I feel like the thing is that you just, you want to watch it because it's really cute, for one, which I feel like not a lot of animations these days manage to pull that off. But more than just that, it's like you really like the characters. And like you were saying earlier, I feel like the way they've always, they always render their landscapes to be so like oddly realistic, even it's for beyond the landscapes. Film. It really is. Uh, although there are so many points in this where you do go wow, and there's one particular point where they enter, they fly into this cave of dragons, the cavern of dragons, or the world of dragons. Uh, there's bioluminescence in the water, oh. and the 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 cave kind of lights up, and you just think, okay. I really need to see this again in IMAX 3D because I want to feel I'm utterly flying through this thing. It is magical. And this is what it captures. It captures a sense of the magic. So when you see all these dragons, when the town of Burke decides to move because the hunters are coming and they want to save the dragons, they take to the sky and there's all these dragons in the sky. And it's just a sense of wonder. It brings wonder back. So in the second one, it was a sense of scale because you had these huge, huge dragons, you know, the alpha dragons. Uh, and it was amazing. And you get this a sense of wonder, a sense of scale, a sense of magic again. I think that that's one of the things that I really liked about the film is that it manages to never be too cheesy. No, it's it's, it's so a really, they've got some really smart people on this. You, you just want to know how it's going to wrap up. And I have to say that this is, it's a really good way to wrap something up and tie it off in a way to say that is done. I think they did it really smartly. If the uh, if the Money Men ever decide, yes, we'll do a bit more, there's always going to be that opening. But for this, this trilogy, it's done, and it's wrapped up really, really well. You'll laugh hard. You'll 
you may well tear up a number of times because there are just some moments that it's stupid, isn't it? It's animation, and you just think, "I feel for your situation. Don't, don't go now. Don't go." You know, actually, I must say that I, in general, I'm kind of a sucker. Like I cry in films, but I think *How to Train a Dragon* one got me so bad. I was like straight up scooping tears off my cheeks. So I'm, I'm pretty afraid of this one. I, I, yeah. Why? It's just moving. They're so cute, and the friendship is so sweet. Yeah, I, I think that that is the thing. It's so, it's an animated dragon. It's Jay Baruchel honking away, and yet there is you buy it. You buy their relationship. I feel like with these movies, it's very difficult to describe exactly why it's so moving. But when you watch it, you see what I mean. Like it's it's someone just turns it to the faucet on. You just yeah. A warning to anyone maybe watching this with Suan. Actually, really weirdly, for such a great series, I feel like it hasn't gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, I mean, I think if if this had been a Pixar, it would have been everywhere and huge. It's already big enough. I mean, it's had, you know, uh, spin-off TV shows and stuff like that. I think there's like Book of Dragons or whatever it's called. I've not watched them, but, you know. This is the kind of movie you kind of need to see in the cinemas. Yes, and by the way, Shaw Cinemas, if you're listening, stick on an IMAX 3D triple run of the Dragon series because I'd love to see it all again in IMAX. He will be there every night you run it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely go see How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I think a wonderful experience and one to definitely catch in the cinemas. So, John Robb, the other big movie for this particular holiday season was Lego Movie. So, you went to see that, didn't you? It is Lego Movie. It was not was Lego Movie. It is Lego Movie. Lego Movie 2, the second part. Five years on from the first one. Everything is awesome. Is it, though? I don't know. You tell me. Okay. Well, I I feel like I'm going to be a complete curmudgeon with this. I I went to see it on a Saturday morning screening. Uh, Lots of kids there. And they enjoyed it. They enjoyed it a lot. There was lots of laughter going on. Uh, and this is where the grumpy old man thing comes in. I I enjoyed it. It was quite good. But compared to the first one five years ago, and even compared to a Lego Batman movie, which came out in 2017, yeah, it doesn't quite have that oomph, that spark, if you like. It Fair. did not spark joy. It, well, no. <laughs> It was good. It was good. I mean, I cannot fault it on that. It's um, the the plot follows on from five years ago at the end of the first one. Uh, Emmett, played by Chris Pratt, before pre-fame Chris Pratt. I'm holding up a little <laughs> size <laughs> indicator to show that he's a Lego figure. And Lucy saved the day to save Bricksburg. They found the pièce de résistance, and they saved the day. Then. Of course, Will Ferrell, as the dad, said, hey, your sister's got to play with the Lego as well, at which point they had an invasion of Duplo, which is the younger version of Lego, all these, you know, all all that kind of stuff. Uh, So they had an invasion of Duplo aliens. Cut to five years later. Bricksburg, the great metropolis that once was, is now a wasteland. It is now Apocalypseburg. There is a Statue of Liberty half stuck in the ground. Everyone looks like they're in Mad Max. I kind of like the idea that a generation of kids are going to grow up and watch Mad Max or indeed the original Planet of the Apes and they're going to go, hey, they ripped that off Lego. <laughs> There's a kind of perverse uh, twist of logic there that I quite enjoy. But 
Emmett is still the same Emmett as he was. He, every, he's still going around. Everything is awesome. Whereas everyone else is like, oh, it's a pit of despair. They've got tattoos. They've got armor. You know, they're riding around in these super souped up machines, very Mad Max style. And everything is threatened to be destroyed again by these aliens. The aliens keep on attacking. So they go off in space to try and uh, find out who the attackers are. And there they meet Tiffany Haddish's... Uh, now, this is going to be difficult to pronounce, but it's Queen Whatever Wannabe. I think it's it's kind of... I've not pronounced that right. It's, it's better to be pronounced Whatever I Wannabe. So it's Queen Whatever I, I Wannabe. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Anyway, yeah. She, so she leads the these cute, sparkly uh, things. Emmett then chases along where he meets Rex Dangervest, who is played also by Chris Pratt. <laughs> Upset... Rex Dangervest is like an amalgam of all Chris Pratt's roles since the Lego movie, at which point he became famous because when he did Lego movie, he was only kind of doing Parks and Rec. He was an unknown voice to many people. After the first Lego movie, then he does Guardians, then he does Jurassic World, then he does all these things. So Rex Dangervest is Space Guardian, Velociraptor Tamer, Adventurer, all the, all these Ooh. kind of things. So he's like a, it's a very meta joke. You know, That's quite that interesting. Kids might not get. I don't know if all parents will get. But there's a lot of meta around here. So what about it did you find like last? Uh... Compared to like How to Train Your Dragon, where I'm still astounded by the visuals. And there's still an element of how did they do that? I think after the Lego first Lego film came out, and you're wondering, oh, what's a real Lego piece? How much is animation? You know, there's that aspect. So you don't quite ooh and ah at the visuals as much. And certainly, I think Lego Batman had more astounding uses of the Lego visuals. This doesn't quite have it for some reason. Uh, I think also the humor. I mean, there's a lot. I say there's a lot of meta humor. So they even have a go at themselves about how Elizabeth Banks' character Lucy was kind of sidelined when it comes to who was the hero in the first one because they point out how much uh, Lucy did save the day, only for Emmett to come along and take all the glory wow. in the film. So they kind of have a go at themselves for this kind of sidelining of the female character. Doesn't sound bad. It's not bad, that's just it. It's not bad, it's just... Not mind-blowing. It feels like a retread, and it does feel mm. like they were struggling to come up with what concept they could do for this one. Because at the end of the first one, don't forget, it's not just there. these are Lego characters in a Lego world. Yeah. It melds with... This is part of the imagination of a young boy. So do you feel like in general, just the entire premise of the second movie was just a bit... I think it may have come out a bit too late to mm. have as much effect. I can see where the straining and the the overall thing of uh, sibling harmony, if you like, feels a bit hammered over the head. Oh, that might just be you. Could be, could be. <laughs> Even the the big song in this called The Catchy Song, yeah, so it's got this main lyric of it. This song's going to get stuck inside your head. You know, this song's going to get stuck inside you. This song's going to get stuck inside you. This song's going to get stuck inside your head. It feels a bit cynical compared to Everything is Awesome, which was a genuinely catchy song. Mm. And it's just about everything is awesome. There's something, oh, you're trying a bit too hard here. There are wonderfully inventive bits. The credits are wonderful. Lonely Island does a whole song about how the credits are ace and the credits are the best part of the film. <laughs> and uh, shouting out the names that come up. So all these, you know, otherwise uh, anonymous people get a bit more of a shout out. Literally. Uh, literally. 
Interesting. Hmm. But yeah, it, it feels. Does it sound like something I'll be catching this weekend? I'd go see it. I mean, there's plenty of laughter in it. The kids enjoyed it. I just feel it's. Whereas the first one seemed a little bit subversive, a little bit punk rock, a little bit kind of. Cool. Yeah, it had a cool yeah, factor. It was cool. I mean, it didn't. This one still feels a bit laboured, a bit too much of a toy advert. So I think some jokes are a bit too much for adults, or some of the references are. Like, one of the realms that they go to is manned by Sparkly Vampire who talks like that, and he does DJing as well. And it's like, I'm not sure that kids get that reference anymore. I mean, some things are just kind of funny, I suppose. And there's, like, uh, jokes featuring Bruce Willis. <laughs> you think, are kids really going to get that thing? Uh, Die-hard uh, references? And I don't know. It's, it seems a bit... You know, who are you actually making this for? I mean, it's nice to see Ruth Bader Ginsburg getting a, <laughs> a Lego figure, but, you know, it's still a good film. I'd still, I, I don't know that I'd watch it a second time. It wouldn't be a two-time watch, but I think this is fine for the family, but it's a long drop-off from the first one. Okay. And it's a drop-off from Lego Batman as well. It's good, but it isn't awesome. Everything is awesome. I wish. In fact, there's a bit in here where they say everything isn't awesome and I kind of agree with them oh no have a watch and tell us what you think yes in fact Suan, don't you have a message about that particular thing <laughs> wow such a great segue what a great segue so if you're listening to us on Google Podcasts or iTunes please leave a review and a comment we'd love to hear from you even the Spotify people will listen to you as well <laughs> Anybody who will listen to us will listen to you. Yes. If you've managed to put up with us for this long, we'll listen to you too. (laughs) So, thank you, JB. Thank you. So until next time, this was Double Feature. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.